In this episode of The Generational Perspective, we talk to Connor Chapman, who is a psychology major at Fordham University. Connor is currently interning at RWJ Barnabas Psychiatric Hospital in Jersey City. We talk about this, as well as the different career options psychology majors have. Make sure that you subscribe and turn notifications on so that you never miss an episode. Enjoy. Um, so, Connor, you are currently walk- working at a psych ward, right? Uh-huh. So, I'm working at uh, RWBJ Barnabas Hospital um, in Jersey City. Um, so, it's like a around like 40-bed um, inpatient psychiatric facility. Um, uh, about a quarter of the patients would be voluntary admissions, um, seeking help uh, voluntarily, um, and then other 75% um, involuntary admissions that could either be because of family members kind of called and, and brought them to the hospital, or a lot of times it's like a legal thing where they've done something like maybe committed a crime or just done something to disturb the peace so that it's like a court mandated, um, admission. Okay. Interesting. What do you like? Are you, so what do you, are you just like a ward there basically? So I've obviously my title is just intern at the moment. Um, so, well, and obviously they run your lab kind of been trying to figure out ways that I can help out. Um, and definitely in healthcare, um, you're not able to just kind of hop straight in the mix because everyone working there is licensed, um, and has gone through a lot of education. Um, so my role basically, I'm helping out the nurses. Um, I could kind of break down for you, like the people that are working there. So we have like mental health workers. Um, so they kind of, they're like logging patient activity, like every 15 minute, 15 minute intervals. Um, so like their mood, their affect, meaning like how their, their mood is presented, um, rather than just like how they're behaving. Um, if they're med compliant, um, if they have any kind of out of line behavior, then there's like the nurses and stuff. They do also kind of like an analysis, um, and it's more like in depth. Um, than the mental health workers. And then they're also giving the patients their medication and stuff like that. Um, Then there's rec therapists. So there's like a lot of groups in there. Um, So we have like a recreation group, which is like board games, ping pong. Um, So I help out a lot with that. Um, Then we have like an art group in the afternoon. Um, And that's kind of to help patients like get their minds off like their situation, um, keep themselves busy. And it's an opportunity to interact with other patients. And then again, the rec, par- the rec therapists after each session are writing down a report of like how the patient was pre- behaving. Um, and then after that, it's mostly the two psychiatrists, which are obviously full medical doctors. They're the ones that are prescribing the medication um, and kind of working the treatment. And then finally, um, the social workers. So like I said, a lot of times it's like a legal case for people to be in there. So the social worker's job is to kind of advocate um, on their behalf um, and also coordinate with people because a lot of times relationships break down um, because of um, maybe what brought them into the hospital, um, the instance or, or outburst. Um, so yeah, I'm basically, I help the patients out with like any linens they need, like any hygiene stuff, uh, food, um, and then just this week, I started doing like groups and stuff. So I did like a group on anger management. So like every day that there's like another group that's supposed to be like informational for the patients. Um, it could be like coping skills, all that kind of thing. Or like, um, I think yesterday we did a true and false about like their medication. Cause like, there's a lot of things that you maybe wouldn't know, like that, like psychot- antipsychotics, they can make you gain weight because your appetite is increased. So a lot of the patients gain a lot of weight when they're in there. So yeah, that's mostly what I do. Interesting. Um, you, you started this recently, didn't you? Because I remember you're doing a different thing. Yeah, so I, I started this about two weeks ago before I was just working at um, an outpatient, um, like a private practice kind of feel. Um, and there I was really just like scheduling clients dealing with insurance, um, workers' compensation. So, like, just like any injury that you would, like, get on your job, like, if you have, like, psychological trauma that um, happened through work, like, you can get the government to pay for that. Um, but workers' comp is horrible. I hate dealing with those people. 
I'll be on the phone for six hours a day with them. And it's the worst. Um, and insurance companies, that's the other thing, just calling insurance companies all day long. Um, so that's why a lot of private practice tend to do uh, cash only because you have to, you literally have to get contracts with like individual insurance companies in order for you to be able to accept a client with that insurance. And it's just a huge mess, honestly, because obviously there's tons of insurance companies. Yeah. Fuck that, dude. I would also have to quit. I, I can't, I can't stay over the phone with people too long. I mean, this is complete. Is that a master's cup? Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Crazy. I also have some. Um, um, no, I can't stay over the phone for a long period of time with people either. Like, I, this isn't like the same at all. But like, even like when I, I, I hosted for a little bit when I couldn't use my shoulder because I fucked up my shoulder last summer. And like, even just being on the phone with like people just like scheduling like uh, reservations for restaurants, but I can't do that because people are different over the phone. You know, they have nothing to lose. They're so ballsy. They don't give a fuck about manners. None of that shit. So I don't know how you could do that with something more uh, serious, you know, like regarding like uh, insurance and clients and fuck that. I, I don't know how you did that. To be honest, I would say like my day um, at the other place, and I'm still actually going to do that after I finish this work in the psych ward, but like, my day goes by faster just being on the phone with these insurance companies than it does at the other place, um, which is weird, but I mean, it's, I guess it's not too bad. When you have something to do, though, it goes by quick. Yeah, exactly. No, so I guess that's pretty good. Yeah. What's so you like, what's you like doing better? Um, I, I think like the job at the psychiatric ward, I'm learning more, but really like, I feel like, when I'm like in the private practice, like, although like my job is not centered around like learning about psychology, like if you're in a place surrounded by people that are where you want to be, you can use them, ask them lots of questions about education path. Cause obviously, well, not obviously, but for psychology, it's extremely, extremely complicated because there's so many different routes that you could take to kind of do the same thing. And there's so many different types of programs. So I started reading a book. It's called, um, the insider's guide to clinical and counseling programs in psychology. And it's been really great because um, it kind of just breaks down like every education path, like master's versus PhD, which one could you do like costs and benefits. And it's very, very helpful because it is pretty complicated. But oh, um, really? I would, I would say the psych board. You get a chance. Yeah, I will definitely. I think, yeah, anyone that wants to do psych should read it because it's good. But uh, yeah, I think the psych ward, I'm, I'm learning so much um but like one of the doctors is so like he's just really great because like he he doesn't have to take the time to teach me anything but he takes the time like when I go on rounds with him oh that's another thing we have like treatment teams with the patient so like well every morning the doctor will do rounds ask the patient how they're feeling maybe say like when's the last time you've heard voices kind of thing um about their mood when's the last time you thought about hurting yourself so they're like really assessing because the whole goal for this facility is um it's a short-term care facility. So people are unstable. We want to stabilize them and then discharge them as soon as possible um, for them, not, not to get them out for us, but as soon as possible uh, for them to like return to their normal lives and stuff. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm learning a lot more there, but I think both uh, experiences are, have been good. Yeah. It's also good to get um, on the other side of like with the, um, the one job that you have with the phone calls and insurance to just know like the ins and outs of like on on behalf of like a customer I don't want to say customer but like a client perhaps yeah you know, like understanding the full picture of what you might be getting into in these next 10 years is also beneficial you know even exactly. small little tips you know but like once you like actually have to get into it like let's just say you start if you if you do well for yourself and you start a private practice in like seven years at least you'll know like the basics you know so it won't be yeah as hard yeah, that's, that's one of the good things. Yeah, like, that's why, like, maybe if I was to do it now, I would be like, maybe I'll do cash only because it is a big headache. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely been good to know about that because that's something that I'm interested in doing. Um, I don't know about you guys because I know you guys are psych majors as well, like what your career goals are. But at the moment, I'm very, very open because there is so many different things you could do, like with a psych degree and stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm very open about mine. Um, I I I'm tending to lean towards um, uh, 
I mean, obviously, like, there's a lot of psychology majors that say they want to go into private practice, but like, that's that was kind of the first thing I had in mind when I first started, even um, like just experimenting with psychology. The first time I took it was a class in high school, and it was like the one class I liked, like, ever. <laughs> you know, yeah. like in high school, like everything else was just like tedious bullshit. And then when I took psychology, it was like fun. Like I was excited for tests because I was like, oh, I know this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I liked exactly. it, you know? And so then when I went to college and I saw like, you know, there wasn't just, you know, AP psychology, but there was like social psychology or like, or clinical, whatever you name it. You know what I mean? There's so many different branches of it. I thought it was so cool. But even, yep. from, even from the beginning, I always thought I wanted to like go into some sort of therapy but I didn't want to be a therapist I, I like I, I wanted to be like clinical psychologist of some kind and I also knew that like I, I like school and I'm pretty good at school so I, I didn't think that going to grad school would have been a problem you know so yeah. I was always kind of hoping for that and there's also like a social side of that that I kind of want to do because you know I'm pro I'm going to try to go to grad school after undergraduate as soon as possible but I mean during that period um, I, I, I'm still going to be like poor enough and like to be like a kid again. So like, it's almost like another four years, it's almost yeah. like another four years of like being an undergraduate again, except you got your own place and you can discover what you want. You know what I mean? So it's like a yeah. startup, but it's like a new startup of just being on your own. And I'm pretty yeah. excited about that personally as a social scene, but, um, I, I want to probably go into clinical psychology but that being granted like there's also like a whole bunch of other cool ones like for example like being like working for the fbi counts side uh, working for the fbi kind of sounds cool i like there's a lot of things like organizational psychology like you can help like yep. you can see like an apple or something and don't get me wrong like shit if, if they pay well you know i'm obviously going to be considering it but i i don't yeah. know like something about the fbi kind of sounds cool and then uh or, or like, or I would use that as leverage. And then by the time I'm like, I don't know, say 30, 35, I'll like try to like use that as leverage to like maybe start my own practice. But like, that's, that's my thought process, but I'm still open to anything because there's so much. Yeah. And I think it's going to keep on increasing too. So uh -huh. yeah, the field is definitely growing. Um, and that's, that's a lot what the book was talking about. And actually what you just brought up bios, like that's the, uh, they have the highest um, average salary out of like any field of psychology. Who? Because um, industrial organizational psych. Yeah. Yeah. It's building. Because yeah. yeah Cause uh, it probably makes sense because it's very like you're working with a business and you're helping them be better yeah. and yeah. more efficient. So usually large corporations too. And like, they need that shit, you know, because I mean, if you want to stay number one, you have to be constantly doing these small little efficiency, like, tricks you know what i mean to like keep yeah. efficiency going and like to constantly stay at the top it's like they're always like trying to catch like that one future step you know they're never really trying to like just stay you know consistent they're always trying to find the next thing and like you know worker efficiency and all that shit's crazy like have you heard about like the stuff at google you know like how they oh, like, no. like their whole like they're like google headquarters and like if you look at like how they work on a day-to-day -day basis like it's like it's so crazy like like i think you can and like i need jamie or some shit like on the joe rogan experience like i need someone to fact check me but um like people come in they just come in whenever they want and like they don't no one presses them about anything and like the whole area like if you look at it from like oh, a yeah, architecture yeah. standpoint it's just like it looks like a little kid's pit you know yeah it's so like free and like there's so many like like stimulus or stimuli for like uh in like a creative sense and so it's, it's really free and open. So people don't really feel like any stress or anything, but they yeah. just have sort of responsibility to get a certain amount of, I don't know, hours or like work done, but you can come in whenever yeah. you feel free. And there's a lot more to it that like, I, I haven't looked up on in like years, but it's, and apparently like it increases the efficiency there. And it's, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think that it, is it very like interesting. Helps their, um, it helps them like de-stress and shit like that, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and there's been a lot of studies done that show that like the cubicle lifestyle of work is just like depressive as fuck, essentially. Yeah. You know? Well, there's also something that like if you feel important, you're gonna do better. Like there's like there's this like I forgot what it's called. I learned about it a few years ago in psychology where it like 
um, a lot of kids in high in, in school, especially it starts off usually in elementary school, where if you put a kid in like a higher tier class, you know, like there's like usually like divisions of classes where like you might be in like the, the, the less advanced class and like the most advanced class. If you put a kid that was traditionally that was originally in the less uh, advanced class and you put him in the more advanced class, he's going to he's going to hold that standard most likely, you know. So like there's there's a certain aspect oh, okay. of feeling confident about your abilities that has like that that um that goes along with output and like um progress so it's you know if you make someone feel good they're they're going to be more confident about themselves and then once you're more confident i mean your 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 status can change ridiculously more than people think so yeah for my um the way i'm i'm not really looking at psychology in the same sense you guys are i'm trying to like incorporate into my communications degree also and then there's a new up-and-coming field that isn't really like explored a lot in modern psychology courses i mean like schools like rutgers have a actual dedicated um major for it it's called media psychology and it's basically just like you analyze um the like emotions and the way that people feel and express themselves when they're brought about like a form like take instagram for example like you take like the way that users like look at the interface and will be like oh i don't like these certain aspects these things they make me upset and then you use that and you analyze how that the company can like retain what they do best but by also improving their user base by um you know incorporating things that make them feel less anxious and less like um upset about things on their app basically yeah I've heard about those studies and it's it's very true. I think I think the Google thing is very interesting because I think that makes a lot of sense for Google, but I think that would be hard to apply to like some other companies because I think the type of individual that would be able to get a job at Google is obviously a very like highly motivated and intelligent person. Yeah. Whereas like a company where like Dunder maybe Mifflin. a little lower down the company, yeah, like Dunder Mifflin, like if they have no one to like like check what they're doing like they're just gonna slack off but i think yeah i think that's pretty cool what they do there. yeah and that's like i think one of the one of the ways that i was introduced to industrial organizational psychology was just like like they're like you have like these factory workers and like they're looking at this wall there's a wall that they're like facing and like if that wall is yellow are they going to work better is it green are they going to work better it's just like tailoring the environment to give like everyone the tools to like succeed and that's like pretty interesting yeah and good money in it too it's funny I, um oh no it continue um i had a professor like i just took ios like this semester and he they have like performance measures right for like for hiring people as well as like promoting people um and like if you create like one of these like like, like scales right that you see in like tons of other studies and stuff then like every time the company uses it they, they don't purchase it just one time they have to purchase it every time they use it so like he made like two scales like 30 years ago and he's still getting paid from them. And it's just like, it's crazy. Jesus. Um, what I was going to say before that was, um, you know, like, it's crazy. You know, we, we learned about this like, so, like early on, you know, like with McDonald's and like all these other restaurant companies, how they tailor their colors to, to the um, yeah. customers, you know? And it's like, oh, that's cool. How did like restaurants crack down on this? You know what I mean? But, you know, we're just now starting to, like, actually um, apply this to, you know, working conditions. Isn't that funny? Like, we knew this, yeah. shit, like, a lot for, like, a long time. But, like, just now we're like, oh, wait, maybe we should care about the middle class worker. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's weird. It's like, McDonald's been, like, red and yellow. There's, like, every single, like, every single uh, fucking uh, fast food company probably has red in it, you know, for, like, the past 20 years. They did it on purpose. And now we're like, hmm, I wonder why these colors make workers work a certain way. You know, it's like, why are we just now like thinking about that? I think um, people were able to kind of, once people could justify that, like looking at these things and, and like hiring, like an industrial psychologist for, for your company can make you more money, you know, like yeah. once it becomes profitable. There's probably a stigma around it too. Like, especially yeah. the, class, the clash between like a business minded person and then like a psychologist, you know? Or like a shrink uh -huh. or something. But um 
Yeah. What what's your fit? What's what would you think would be um, what sounds the most fun, regardless of pay, regardless of availability? What sounds the most fun in the psychology field for you? So, yeah, what I've been thinking recently, um, I, like I kind of got into it because I wanted to like work with people that are struggling um, and help. But I've been thinking recently as well that it would be really interesting to do like sports psychology. Um, and if I could be like a sports psychologist for like a professional team, that would just be like the top for me. And I think if I dream big, I can get some more motivation out of myself. Uh, you know what I mean? Because obviously that's there's a lot of people that want to do that kind of thing. So I have to build my experiences and my and my skills. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be really cool. So what you're just like you're the psychologist for like a team. Yeah, so I've never, like, you, I've never you, heard of that. Yeah, it's kind of that's like another thing that's like kind of newer. But again, it's like it's like wow, like this club has a sports psychologist, and they're like for, like Man United has it or Liverpool has it. And it's like these players are able to like get more out of themselves because like the psychologist is helping them, or even like a player is going through a goal drought and you can't shake it. Like and just being able to talk to someone, um, and yeah, so they're kind of like on call um, with the, with the club. Um, and it doesn't even have to be about, uh, like, you know, their performance. It could just be about like what they're dealing with and then like helping them through that in turn will help them perform better kind of thing. Yeah. Do you, do you know how they get paid? I'm actually curious, like compared to like, let's just say like someone that like owns their own spot, you know, for the, um, I don't know. And that's something like, it's, it's been like a new like idea for me to, to kind of think about that. So I'm going to look more into it, but I think um, if you were working for a top club, obviously I'm sure you'd be paid quite well. And that, that would be the goal. Um, and the thing that I've realized about all, like psychologists is that like, they have so many, they have like so many different jobs. So like the woman that I work at the private practice with, like, she's like, she's practicing psychologist and then she's a professor at the same time. Um, and then like, she has like businesses, like, so like, there's just so many people that are doing like, a lot of people do like, pro, like professor stuff, administrative stuff, and like practice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so when you were talking about Aiden, you were talking about media psychology. Yeah. That just sounds so ironic to me. How does, how you're like trying, like, so what the field's trying to make people like less anxious and depressed, yeah, and use, stuff, but it's on media. Yeah, you use, um, like, take, for example, when you have somebody, they're, like, putting a product out to market for the first time, and they have a focus group, and they're, like, um, hang on, sorry. They, they're, like, um, how does this product make you feel? Like, all that kind of stuff. It's basically that, but for movies, social media, TV, all forms of media, basically. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And like companies will use media psychologists and like sure. hire them to like help better their products for their uh, like their media products for their audiences, essentially. Oh, OK. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that like I literally just stumbled on a couple of weeks ago because I was also <laughs> like I was like looking around and I was like, um, I like how can I do something that incorporates both communications and psychology? Because. I don't want to go the route of becoming like a therapist or becoming like a, having like a private practice or something like that. And this was like the first thing that popped up. You and could always just go into communications and just have your yeah, back in psychology. And I can use that for advertising too, but I'm not like necessarily certain that I want to do that also. Oh yeah. I don't know how you, I, I don't know how you, you connect those two together, but that granted, I don't know that much about communications. So what psychology and communications yeah like, I, I don't know how you... it, it's advertising public relations advertising how people you like using psychology to and to tell how people would like a product for like advertising and commercials and stuff like that um public relations being able to navigate like like pre like press people people who um are doing like press releases for companies and stuff like that just like being able to communicate effectively a company's stance like so that it's satisfactory to like board members and stuff like that or you know what i mean like uh shareholders and stuff like that yeah it's that kind of thing oh okay 
what are some what are some majors or some topics you guys like you guys like you see that people get into and you're like bro i cannot do that and this is not like this is not fucking tiered towards you with with communications and i'm just saying like in general because sometimes i'll like i'll be in a conversation with someone and they'll they'll say like they're you know like their major might be i don't know like chemistry or something and i i don't know how the fuck they do that like i like obviously they like it but like there's some where i just like i feel like i'd be so miserable like i could not biology pre-med track huh biology pre-med track yeah i I wouldn't mind that actually i really wouldn't mind that i like biology i think my biggest would be computer science that i would just want to kill myself um and then probably like english i hate english what about I'd you? I'd say Mark? comp sci, definitely comp sci. I, I like. I think science like majors are very demanding, but they're like I'm interested enough where yeah, right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too grueling. But comp sci, like they do, like they they tell you like the only way you can succeed is like you're you're practicing for like three to four hours every day, like outside of class, and that's not even like just your homework. Like you're just you're just toying around with like code and systems, and like that just sounds horrible to me. Yeah. And like my brother's really into it. Like, I think that's what he's going to go to school for. He's, he's an upcoming senior now, but like you just, ha- you, that's one of those majors where you just have to be wired to do that. Yeah. Because, no, I'm to do that because like my whole thing was like, I always thought code was cool and I always thought it was interesting. And obviously I like that, like it's a growing field, but like, I can't, I don't want to spend my career just being in front of a computer. Like, yeah, I exactly. do that. That's not for me. You know, I wouldn't feel alive. I'd feel like, I don't know. I just, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I, I mean, it does sound like not the, well, I don't want to like, f- like fucking bitch about it. Like, because I know a lot of people like doing it, but like, yeah, I yeah. never <laughs> fucking do that for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. I'd say that's another thing for me too. Comp sci, biology um yeah it's basically that though i mean i feel like everything else i'm good with english i'm good with uh education teaching uh uh, educational i get pissed off with going into the education field because of how teachers are underpaid and also how like people are actively trying to just like ban educational material i feel like that would just like i just couldn't deal with kids bro i just can't yeah that too like also, yeah, speaking of this, like, what age group do you think you want to work with, Connor? Like, if you do go into, like, clinical psychology? Um, I literally, like, I've not thought about that. Because I feel like, from what I've heard from the counselors, I, I was asking them, like, like, isn't it harder to, like, get kids on board to, like, with, like, what you're telling them? Because, it, you know, it's just, like, a little bit harder to communicate. Yeah, just, they don't understand yeah. everything as well. But she was saying that it's actually much easier for kids because they're less, like, like many adults have been in like this thought process and like this mindset that they're in for, for their whole life. And they're just more stubborn. And she said, kids are a lot more like malleable um, and like easy to mold. So it, yeah, I don't have a preference, but I think I'll discover that I'm taking clinical child psychology this coming semester. So I think that will help me figure that out a little bit. That's sick. Yeah. I was, I actually want to look into that more because um, originally I wanted to do uh, adolescents or adults Originally, I always wanted to help adolescents because like I, I've always been interested in like that bridge from being a kid to an adult. And I feel like that time in a person's life is always so hard, you know, okay. so I, I always kind of wanted to go into that. Plus, I just don't want to deal with like annoying kids or like I just don't want to deal with someone that's not willing to like listen, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, if yeah. you're if you're going there seeking help, I mean, I guess you're mature enough or, you know, y- yeah, to some degree, you're mature enough to get help. So. I kind of want to look into that now because that's interesting. I I wouldn't have thought that. I would have thought that they. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So Connor, what are some of the uh, cooler slash crazier like stories you have with patients working at Barnabas? So for like the patients, I'd say like most of the diagnoses are like um, schizophrenic, um, bipolar or like psychosis. Um, and I think psychosis is one of the most interesting ones to observe because that means it's what that means is like you're disconnected from reality and like 
you that often means that these patients have like delusions so like i haven't seen this but i heard like for example um a patient thought that he had a brain chip and the doctor was telling me with delusions like you really need to be curious don't just accept them like flat base value because he's like if someone for example thought they had a brain chip you want to say is it a superficial brain chip meaning is it like close to the surface of your skin or is it deep because if they said it's yeah it's on the surface of my skin it's potentially dangerous because they might try and remove it and he said a patient once tried to cut open like the back of their neck and remove a brain chip that wasn't actually there so like all like a lot of the delusions are very very crazy and um i was there was another patient like when i first got there and he he had been found he got admitted because he was found walking naked um around a town uh nearby and then he it's because he thought that he had been impregnated by aliens um so yeah he like that was another crazy delusion um and he was for some reason he thought that and he was trying to like remove the the alien that was inside of him um so yeah um so interesting <laughs> yeah i know it's 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 just crazy and like and like with the with the psychosis kind of thing like patients can appear intelligent very articulate um and completely normal aside from the fact that they have like this belief that obviously doesn't make any sense at all um so yeah and then there's other patients like like schizophrenic patients like certain patients are very inarticulate um and they maybe even have like cognitive issues um and stuff so that that has been super interesting to observe and like i'm taking um psychopathology in the fall which is just like the study of disorders so like to to have gotten to have gotten to like be able to observe them before i take the classes is going to be very cool um and and what i was going to say before is um a lot of the patients that are there they some patients don't even have um like any mental illness but they've they've done a drug like pcp uh lsd and it's caused them to become psychotic so i would i would definitely and also like it, it if you have an underlying mental illness and you do one of those types of drugs, it can exaggerate your symptoms to a point where it's, it's very dangerous. And yeah, like I've witnessed people come, like they're, they're admitted. Uh, this one guy, he was admitted, he was on amphetamine. Um, he, he, we have like these weighted chairs. He opens up the bottom of that chair and the chairs are filled with sand. The sand pours out everywhere and he thinks his phone is inside the chair. And he's like looking for it and he's screaming. Then like two days later, he kind of amphetamine is out of his system and stuff. And he's completely like completely normal again. So that that is definitely like a good if I was to ever like trying to deter someone from taking like these drugs, that's that's one good thing I would say that you you wouldn't want to end up in a psych ward because it, it can genuinely change a lot of things for you. Um and then like I see like certain patients schizophrenic patients they they speak to themselves a lot um they see things um they talk to someone that's not actually there um and yeah very very kind of again disconnected from reality not really knowing what's going on um trying to think there was one good story there was a woman um she she had like an alter ego and i've seen this with a few people where like you'll call the patient by their name and they'll scream at you and say that's not my that's not my fucking name like call me this um and they get very agitated and this one woman she would say you know like my name is michael um and like if you don't call me michael and it was like when she was michael she would act completely differently she would scream um she would kind of get violent um and aggressive um and she would and she would cry as she's screaming at people um, and it, it's very, it's very tough to watch sometimes, but I think, um, I think it it can be discouraging, but also it's like motivating because you're like, this is, this is why I'm doing it. And that's like, you know, you want to, you want to help these people and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, one thing that I always thought was pretty interesting about schizophrenia was like, you know, you hear stories about how people just talk to themselves. And so like yeah. if having dialogue with someone, that means that like their brain is computing or assuming 
what the other person would say back to them. So in a way, I you have to ask yourself, well, like, does your does your brain have any bias as to as to how the other imaginary person would be talking to you? Like, is the imaginary person only asking questions that they know they want to answer? Or like, are they only asking questions that they know are making them insecure or anxious? Like, what types of dialogue is on the other side? Because at the end of the day, like you, your brain is constructing those. So like, what are they like? You know, <clears throat> that's what I've always wondered. Yeah, I think that is pretty interesting. And the thing about schizophrenia is everyone, everyone thinks that it, it's, it, it, it's like only has to do with like hallucinations and stuff and like hearing and seeing things. But schizophrenia, I think the definition is something like, like unable to like think or behave clearly. So it's just like, it can be like any part of like, um, like, the symptoms of the patient's feeling that just like it can be anything that just makes them like unable to like maybe communicate clearly think clearly behave appropriately um so yeah that's like one thing that i think a lot of people tend to like over kind of over um emphasize about schizophrenia it's all about the hallucinations and stuff it, they, like you can have schizophrenia and not really have that and yeah. like you said it's it's interesting like the inner voice like that would be like there's like ranges and I think one of the other diagnoses there is like schizoaffective, which means that they have a mix of like schizophrenic symptoms as well as like mood disorder symptoms. Um, and yeah, the, the, the things about moods, it, that's, that's one of the things that I think is like the most difficult to see sometimes is like, you're not like, they're, the patient's not having like an outburst and they're not like behaving poorly, but they're just like, you can just see they're so low energy and like deflated. And I think that's like, that's something that is like, like people talk about like depression, like that's, that's like genuinely like a brain chemistry thing where you have like an, an imbalance and stuff like that. And that's, that's why I like, and, and you were, we were talking about like career stuff before. I'm, I'm like, I think definitely certain people need medication thousand percent, um, but I'm not interested in like prescribing medication. I'm much more interested in like the philosophical side um, speaking to people and like helping them think differently. And I think that's what you're kind of into too, as well. Right, Mac? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, one thing I, I, I never really understood and I, I hope someone can like humble me and like teach me something, but like never, one thing I never understood about being a psychiatrist is like, I don't know why anyone would want to, I mean, besides the money aspect, why anyone would want to go to med school just to be able to prescribe stuff, people medicine. Like I never really cared for that. And like, you obviously get more money for it but like i don't i don't understand the lore of it you know i don't understand like what lures you in for that and like i was never interested in that personally i was always interested in like getting to like bond with someone and then trying to figure out this plan you know yeah exactly it's kind of cool you know it's also super fulfilling you know like uh that's part of the reason why i wanted to go into psychology period was um, before I even wanted to go into psychology, I wanted to go into a field where I could like help people. Um, yeah. So even if that was like education or anything, even if it was like a coach, who, who cares? I always wanted to go into a field that like I help people because I mean, this is like, this sounds a little like, you know, philosophical and like all nerdy, but like, I think like, like from my experience of growing up, like I, I find myself a lot more happy when I'm doing things for people, whether that's like, for my brother or for my mom or for like friends like I'll notice like if I'm not doing well or like if I'm like more quiet and I'm not really helping anyone else and I'm like I'm self-focused those that time period I feel like a lot less fulfilled than like if I'm like for like another three months I'll find myself like helping people and like reaching out and I like I feel more happy during those times so like it's like I think that helping people is like a different form of happiness so that's part of the reason why I wanted to get into that aspect of it rather than medication yeah definitely it's very it's yeah i think it's a lot more satisfying and fulfilling to like yeah like like medication it's not a quick fix but it's just like like you're not you're not putting in like the long term like like hours with the patient where you're like you're seeing them like once a week for like maybe even months and like you're just building them up to be to be better and that's like i think will be hopefully an amazing feeling and make it worth it 
makes in a weird way it almost like gives you a little bit of meaning you know because like not, not only yeah. just like you know you're you're the dot you're the dude that sits at a desk and types numbers in for your company but like you're the dude that's like actively making this or attempting to make this person's better so like you have a role as like oh i'm not just mac i'm you know timothy's uh um you know psychologist or therapist that actually yeah. can feel better you know so it's I think that I think that's always been pretty fucking cool, you know. That's yes. always something that like I've like I've looked up to people like that. So definitely. Oh yeah. Um, um, you know, uh, one thing I don't really understand. Well, which I actually learned about in my psychology class in high school is like I found out that I I think like a large majority of people that are homeless have schizophrenia. Which is sad because, I mean, that, that just shows that, like, a lot of the people that have schizophrenia, they have nowhere to go and they just end up homeless. Well, you said you learned that yeah. in class. Yeah. Yeah, because I heard that, too. I, I forgot where. It was probably La Presta then. Yeah, it's, it's sad, though, because, like, they don't – because it, with what I don't understand about that compared to other illnesses is, like, you know, I mean, you lose your friends. I mean, you lose your uh, friendships. You lose your relationships everyone around you you're probably going to lose your job obviously and then you know you might just not be in it you know to pay bills and just um you know just stay with life and then you just find yourself on the side of a road one day it's just kind of sad yeah there's there's definitely some patients that um are that are homeless um there's one yesterday actually i was like just trying to like help him uh they do like food menus so they like pick what they get for the next day um, and I was just trying to help him like do that. And he's like, what are you saying? Like, come closer. And I come closer. I say it again. He's like, and then like, after like, I say it like four times and he still can't understand me. He just like starts screaming that like in my face. And it was very like, I feel, I think it feels like pretty deflating to get screamed at. But, it's like, uh, it, it's that you feel isolated. It you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh yeah. For you. But they probably feel isolated because like they got so much shit, like so much noise in their brain that like, then then you're just adding to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very true. And it, it yeah. yeah, I think it's also frustrating when you're trying to help someone or communicate a certain thing. And yeah. um, they just, they, they just, they just don't pick up at all. And then they just, yeah. they either yell or they scream or they do something where it's just, it's, it's, it's so far from what the goal was, but it's also like, you don't want to see them in a state of like distress. So it's, Oh yeah. Like I, I have, I'm working in an internship right now and I, I can't say a lot of like about like the, the, the patient because it's like under HIPAA guidelines, but like I work with this, with the patient, um, uh, and, uh, this person is like, I mean, like 10, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, but I don't want to give too much, but whatever. Anyway, uh, it's about like that age and, um, this person is uh has down syndrome <clears throat> and so you know there there'll be times where like you want them to do participate in a certain activity or you want them to participate in you know uh, you know eating it's like something basic and like instead they'll just like this person might just like look at me and just scream right in front of my face or like throw something at me and you know and it's like it's hard to stay calm and then to like continue moving forward from that because you don't want to give them attention for it because they'll do it again so it's it's hard sometimes yeah definitely i think it's like i mean on the in the ward like a lot of the like for the most part like the patients are very pleasant um and cooperative and but there's like obviously there a lot of them are in involuntary commissions or admissions um and they don't want to be there and uh they'll they'll lash out a lot and stuff like that um but eventually like I feel like once once you kind of get past that first, like I don't want to be here. I think I think everyone does, and and they just um because the main thing is like if you're misbehaving, like your discharge will be pushed back, kind of thing. So like they like it, they come to terms with that they're here. The fastest way to get out is like like behave well, interact with people, and yeah. Wait, so what are you doing, Mac? Though? What's your like internship? My internship is um so I'm trying to become a registered behavioral technician. So I'm working underneath a behavioral psychologist as her assistant. And so I'm just helping with basic stuff. Um, well, I, it started off with basic stuff, but now she's like having me lead um, 
any activities. So each patient, each patient has different varying like levels of, uh, I don't know, cooperation, but like my, the goal of my specific patient is to, is for, um, this person, this patient's educational goals. So I'm focusing primarily on helping this person, you know, uh, from an educational standpoint and just, you know, what constitutes like quote unquote, what we think is educational isn't necessarily the educational criteria that this person follows. For example, like, so there's some things that we go over, like what's a supermarket or like where, what supermarkets are in your area. So it's also like used to tell, like, it's also like, we want to make sure that this person feels comfortable and knows their environment. So it's, it's, it's education in a very broad sense. And so what I'm doing is like, she'll, after she works with this patient for like a few years or a few months, however long she starts to understand them a bit more. And so she builds a plan, a educational goal towards, um, towards this person's future, um, uh, based upon how they know this patient. And so she lines out this plan and I just, I just help her out with this plan. And then I assist her. And then because, um, she knows that I'm trying to become a registered behavioral technician. And part of the reason why I want to do that too, is like, you can also, you can also, um, I can, I can use that. I'm mean, obviously it's good for a resume, but I can also, uh, be a, a registered behavioral technician in, in Maryland up in school. Like there's, there's what there's, there's a whole field of it in Towson and Baltimore. So I, I'm not, I don't know what I want to do in the future, but just having that underneath my belt will help me in the future when I do know what I want to do, or it'll just give me leverage for something else. But that's, that's basically what it is. I'm trying to help this person that um, has Down syndrome to, uh, uh, you know, feel more comfortable in her environment and, you know, not, not a, a big, it's kind of sad, actually. Her parents mentioned to me, like one, one of their biggest goals for um, this person is just to not let this patient get exploited when she, when this person's older, <laughs> it's hard to not use genders. And I'm not trying to give it away, but you know, it, it's sad because I didn't even know this, but a lot of people with Down syndrome actually tend to get exploited when they're older, whether that's, you know, whatever that means. It's just, it's sad, you know? So, but I hear I, a lot about, I hear a lot about them getting like exploited in like the industry, like working and stuff like that. Yeah, this industry. Exactly. It's really sad, man. It's really, it's fucked up, man. It's, it's really sad. And like, could you imagine if that was your kid? Like, you don't want them like that's fucked up. You know, that makes you really sad inside. So. That's not cool. And and I've learned a lot working with this person too. Like there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Like there, there's stereotypes for different types of, um, um, I don't want to say like illnesses, but like mental de- deficiencies. And there's, a, there's been a lot of things that I've learned from working with this patient that I didn't really know about Down syndrome specifically. And I've, I've also become like a lot more uh, understanding and not empathetic. I've always been empathetic, obviously, but like you just, you kind of like understand a different side of them to where you, you, you don't really think the same. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's like, you just, you just understand that type of mental deficiency a little bit better, which I think is pretty cool. It's also cool. Like building a bond with this person. Cause like they'll come up to me, you know, sometimes when I'm working with them and they'll like kiss me and they'll like hug me. So like they show that they appreciate me, even like if they just like threw something at me or yelled in my face. So like, they really do show you appreciation. Like sometimes I'll come back to their house and, um, you know, the patient's parents will tell me, you know, like, Oh, you know, Hey, um, you know, this person was thinking about you. She was asking, Oh my God, where, where you were at. So it's, it's, it's nice to see that, you know, you're helping out people. Uh, but it's, it's, it's basically assistant to behavioral psychologist just to shorten up. So like, so you want to be a, you said a behavioral technician, right? Yeah. So well, how do you like, is that something that you have to do? Like it takes a long time, like grad school and stuff, or is that something like no, you're trying to do? Like, no, not at all, dude. You could do over. So how do you do it? So basically from what she's, from what, how she described it to me, you have to, you have to, I think you have to get a certain amount of hours working in the field, like which what I'm doing with the internship. And then you just like take exams <laughs> and then you just work okay. underneath the psychologist. That's really all it is. And like, 
I, obviously I'm still learning more about it. So, I mean, I'm sure I could be missing a few things, but for the most part, no, it's, that, it's not like a grad school thing. That's like, that's like a thing. Like it's just an assistance to psychology. Like you could do that right now. Okay. You know? That's cool. And truthfully, she, I, my, the psychologist I'm working with, she doesn't know this just yet. I have mentioned to her a few times, but like, I honestly, I don't like behavioral psychology that much. It's, it's more like, I don't, I don't, it's not entertaining to me. It's like, they do something. And instead of just watching the patient and say, Hey, look, I can see that this person's working this sort of way or, and they're not doing this and they're not showing bad behavior. Instead of like taking that as a mental note, they just apply it on data and they, and they look at the data over the course of months. And they just say, Hey, since we applied this method in January, you know, in February, we saw this behavior go down through the data. And like, I don't, I don't like that. Like that, that seems too mechanical of psychology for me. Like I'm more interested on like, like how you said, like the more philosophical cognitive level. So, but it's nice to like experience a little bit in like different fields of psychology. So there's no reason not to do it right now. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm always like looking for things that like, you know, that like, not uh not necessarily just putting on the resume but like building the skill set because like you need to have like so many things in order to get into like all these programs i know so that's something cool i didn't know about that yeah it's really cool yeah it was also like i'm also fortunate too because the person i work with the psychology i worked with psychologist i worked with she uh she taught at towson so she has a lot of connections up in the baltimore area so like who knows maybe oh. like by senior year or like by the time i graduate you know, she, I might be able to reach out to her and she might be able to help me, but that's just a long shot. So we'll see. Yeah. At that's least really you have cool. that connection though. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. And truthfully, I'm probably never going to do anything with it, but you know, just having it helps. Exactly. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok, as well as subscribe on YouTube so that you can watch the corresponding videos. Your continued support is appreciated, and I have a lot of fun things in store for the future. Have a great rest of your day.